0: Hey what's up everybody You're listening to Cannabis Karaoke Where we ask you to grab the mic and tell your story Get inside info from today's most interesting cannabis pioneers And from the first note to the end of the song Listen up as you get to hear the stories of success On Cannabis Karaoke Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Karaoke I'm your host Danny Keith And uh You know, we get to interview some crazy thought leaders, people that made an impression in the cannabis space. This gentleman, uh, I'm actually going to play a little clip. So hopefully it comes out okay, because I'm 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 sometimes technologically challenged when it comes to my podcast. But I'm going to let this do the introduction, and then we'll jump in. So just bear with
1: me. What's your favorite strain you would bring back that you don't know? Champelli. Champelli. I've heard that from a lot of people. Champelli. Champelli. That was a real first strand like, to, like, blow up the Bay Area. Huh? that was, like, our first kush. <coughs> yeah, that was that I, Champelli. So I wish that Pelly come back. That shit was crazy. Only real OGs. If you've been smoking since the 80s and 90s, you know about yeah, that, man. Don't research that, man. That part. Take a dab at that. Yeah. What
2: you got, Pelly? Uh, yeah, yeah. you got Pelly. Oh, uh, what? It's on me? Uh, Pelly
1: and Pelly, please. Uh, what? In the late 90s, one of my best friends from high school, Joe Pelly, created a type of cannabis that became one of the most elusive and sought-out strains here in the Bay Area. It was revered by cannabis connoisseurs, rappers, and pretty much the entire West Coast underground rap scene. I
2: was here, my nigga. Before I knew my nigga Francis was here, I was at the telly. Then he came through this motherfucker with a bag of shit Pelly. He put it in the A, said, dog. you tell me? I got a bad bitch with a in her belly I said it's cool, my
1: nigga Let's keep it on the under, no need The strain was immortalized in the lyrics and lifestyles of artists like Snoop Dogg b real from Cypress Hill Yuck Mouth from the Loonies E-40 Memphis Bleak Beanie Sigel, Freeway The Jacker And of course, one of its biggest fans The late great Mac Dre We call it cat piss because it had that real, like, sour diesel type of stink to it, but it had that cushion out. Yeah, nice, though. the, uh, The strain disappeared when Pelly had to disappear and leave the country due to some legal issues tied to the war on weed. After a decade on the run, he thought the case was dead, but he returned to the U.S. a little too early and had to serve time. Water, what you say about, Pelly? You in Hawaii or something one time? was all over the place. What, what kind of haircut? He got, hey, Chef well, Pelly no. got a good boy haircut. Chef no. got a good boy haircut. No. Pelly got a good boy haircut. Pelley no. got a good boy haircut. Now that a new legal era is upon us with the weed game, the time is right to try and resurrect Champelli. His fate rests in the remaining 20 seeds saved by its creator before he fled. Will Champelli return? Pray for Champelli. Dude, welcome to the mic, Mr.
0: A.K.A. Champelli, dude. I don't know how that came out, but that shit gives me chills, dude, when I see stuff like that. Talk to me a little bit about what you uh, you put that out in January, that little teaser clip. How's the industry been responding to you, bro?
2: Man, well, once again, I'd like to just say thank you, Danny, for bringing me on your podcast, man. This is great. Thank you for reaching out, and uh, I really appreciate the uh, – the love. And, uh, you know, so far it's really been a great uh, reception from everybody. It's been great. People have been, uh, kind of open arms as far as just trying to receive me into what, what is the new kind of uh wave and era of, uh, the legal cannabis goes, so to speak, you know? So overall it's been great, um, uh, great reception, um, back into the, the legal cannabis game. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm pretty happy about it overall. You know, I'm just, trying to just, uh, everybody's kind of reached out and, um, offering different resources. And, uh, and I'm just, now I'm just kind of trying to piece together all the pieces of the puzzle there and, um, you know, take advantage of some of the, some of the people that have reached out and, and come to the table with different, different opportunities and, and resources and stuff like that.
0: You know, they say, you know, if you, if, if you're a, if some, if you're a listener, if you're a, how's the best word I mean? If you're a, uh aficionado of of the hip-hop game and you didn't recognize the Champelli, that's something like from... I mean, you got it quoted here on your YouTube thing, which I I totally back, the greatest comeback in cannabis history. Like, talk to me a little bit about how Champelli, that strain, like, just influenced rappers so heavily and, like, really kind of, you know, back in the day, that, like, it was... Like, if you had the pelly dog, it was... You were fucking golden. It was hard to get a hold of. It wasn't easy. And now we're talking about bringing that strain back to the masses. What, like, how do you feel about that? And like, how did it even come to be that you were the dude? I mean, we talked a little bit off off the air a little bit. You're you're in the music. You don't just do the cannabis thing. So I'd like to hear a little bit of a of a more well rounded story about your kind of introduction into music, maybe, and then also like how that strain wove its way in and kind of created this like interesting cement in the hip-hop world
2: yeah so um so great questions there and um yeah I, I mean i'll start kind of back in where my roots kind of lay as far as in this cannabis um space in general just kind of lie and it, it kind of comes just it's kind of a family thing to be honest Um uh, rest in peace my brother was kind of a deep in the old school cannabis game, you know, when it used to be more of a gentleman's game and there, uh, it was just uh, a whole nother game. I like I like that yeah. reference to yeah.
0: gentleman's game. <laughs>
2: yeah. It was more of a gentleman. Yeah. Game, Cause if you not, fucked like, up, not, not a, not a fuck boy game, right. Like it is now kind of just to use the term of like you know, where it's <laughs> kind of now, you know, as far as just, you know, uh, kind of way more cutthroat and so forth, you know? So I kind of grew up really old school kind of, smugglers uh you know sort of um smugglers uh sort of uh, champion you know,
0: of the plant a little bit of outlaw yeah,
2: you know and then cha- champion of the plant and really believing in cannabis and what it you know and its medicinal properties and what it really stands for and what it does for people in general you know as far as anywhere from you know health benefits mental benefits you know even financial benefits and then its spiritual powers of what you know how it really can ma- help you manifest some of your uh your dreams and and stuff like that it's definitely a powerful plant you know so i kind of grew up around cannabis um my brother basically he had a he had a, a coffee shop in in the 70s in amsterdam at one point called the Branderai. and uh i mean you know so i, I kind of uh grew up a lot of, around a lot of legendary stories and and um and hearing hearing about a bunch of different crazy old school, you know, smuggler stuff and stuff like that. And um, so, you know, so that was kind of like my introduction as a child, just being around that. Some of my earliest memories were like of music also coming back to music. Some of my earliest memories were like Bob Marley playing and, you know, black Lebanese hash kind of floating around in the air, you know, in Amsterdam when I was there in the 70s visiting my brother. And, you know, walking into a closet there and seeing bales and bales of 10-kilo bales of um, black Lebanese hash just stacked to the ceiling and in this closet, you know, and I kind of still remember that. And then, you know, Bob Marley's Steer It Up was playing in the background. So it's kind of like my earliest kind of formative memories there of kind of, you know, as far as the cannabis thing goes, you know. So it's it's interesting. And then um, later on, I went on to... Um, later on i went on to uh to grow basically in my mom's uh, kitchen pantry which was like kind of a uh had a had a, it was kind of lit almost like a greenhouse thing had opaque opaque glass over it where she had her, all her spices and dishes and you know the ca- the cats lived out there and um and there was light in there so i basically got some some seeds from some weed that i was had bought at one point, and this is in the 80s. We're talking like 87, 88, basically, when I first started, pretty, pretty much like 87, when I first kind of planted my first seeds and uh, grew some some of the best stuff, you know. I mean, really amazing, amazing stuff. It was interesting because these pinos were totally different than, you know, anything that's around now. Throughout those early days, like, I saw so many different flavors and so much interesting cannabis at that point that was just you know is pretty much wiped off of the face of the earth just because nobody had the foresight of continuing you know the genetics stuff got lost because people just you know it was like it was still a guerrilla illegal thing so people were kind of just you know, it was just like people would grow one season and then that would be it. You know, if you didn't have the foresight to maybe try to keep some clones or make some seeds, it was like, Whoop, there it's gone. You know, one more strain that was kind of lost, you know. So I was kind of blessed to see all these different early crazy strains when it was really kind of the peak of, um, you know, the height of like the cannabis kind of movement as far as like really interesting strains, you know, where it went from just really kind of stringy sativa stuff, you know, and just, you know, dating back to the seventies and sixties where, you know, it was just more swaggy. I was kind of in the eighties seeing like more indicas coming in and more potent stuff and more stuff that had been developed and hybrided, and also just actually, you know, curated from people and, and stuff that was coming from, you know, other parts of the world and to San Francisco and and California in general, which was kind of like the mecca of the cannabis um, world at that time in a way, you know, as far as I could tell. You know, I mean, I I traveled in the early 90s to Amsterdam and I traveled, you know, I did my fair share of traveling and and always came back to San Francisco as always having in California is having always the best weed. Like in the early nineties I went to Amsterdam, I went to every shop looking for good weed and you know, I couldn't find anything that everything paled in comparison to what I could find in San Francisco in my own backyard, you know. So it's interesting how San Francisco has always been like, you know, whether it's technology, whether it's film, whether it's music, the Bay Area. Has always been an innovative place for creatives and you know innovation in general. You know, so the Bay Area is a a real. Uh, I have to I have to I have to um, basically give credit to the Bay Area, and San Francisco as a, a big inspiration and um, in my life and um, just you know affected, you know the outcome of, of you know history in a way. You know, I mean, our just the the history of the world has been affected by you know the united states obviously but california and san francisco and the bay area whether it's music and entertainment and so on and so forth cannabis once again also some of the biggest name brands of cannabis are come out of the bay area and strains and stuff like that
0: you so, um, um you did a uh, so you know being that you've been how do i put this you you definitely took a moment i mean being, I'm family friends with Tommy Chong, and after he did his prison sentence, he he kind of laid low and, and was... I don't want to say anti-plant, but it's like, fuck, I'm not going to do that again, you know, kind of thing. And you kind of had the same shit go down with you, where, you know, again, we were all outlaws. I never really grew. I was just moving packs, but, like, guys like you were who we needed. And, um, you know, luckily, aside from a couple of close scrapes, I never really got in any big trouble for it. But guys like you, you know you bailed the country, you came back, you kind of slicked back in thinking everything was cool. And they still got you dude after like tens of years out of the country. And then you did your time. And then what made you decide that, what made you decide that? Fuck it. I'm going to get back in the game because dude, it's just, it's been a minute. And now like you worked with some heavies back in the day, you know what I mean? And And I tend to think that that all happened organically because one someone like yourself from what, you know, the little bit of research I've done on you, you know, it just happens. Just kind of one step in front of the other, one foot in front of the other and things just keep rolling out. When you decided to bounce, like you were basically, I'm peeling off some of the stuff from their Mary Jane article that you just did not too long ago. And you, you had, you like, you went to Europe. You said, fuck it, I'm out. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to split. When you did that, like, did you stop smoking weed? Did you stop growing weed? Like, what what was the deal while you were kind of avoiding? Um, so,
2: yeah, so I, I had, you know, um, basically, I was uh, just to give a little backstory there. Basically, in the, um, you know, in the the late 90s, you know, I had a record company, which was basically titled After the Strain and, you know, and After Myself, basically, uh, I always had this weed from like 94, 95 on until the early 2000s I always had the Champelli so basically the streets called me Champelli I called my record label Champelli uh, you know and the, and, the, and the strain itself was called Champelli you know what I mean and um, and basically yeah I was you know around you know some rough types so to speak that it, it kind of a Rico case basically ended up affecting me um, I was just around in the circle kind of guilty by association and um I was always just a weed guy and the music guy, never any violence or no craziness, you know what I mean? I yep. was just always kind of the humble weed dude, basically a uh, urban kind of hippie, so to speak, you know, I was into music and in hip hop since I grew up in the city, and, and I pretty much associated with everybody in the San Francisco, it was kind of like a... San Francisco is kind of that way. You know, I went to public schools. I grew up with Samoans, Mexicans, Blacks, you name it, Chinese, Filipinos, like those are all my people i was just kind of the one white boy that was in the, <laughs> in the mix so to speak so I,
0: you know i'm not happened? gonna lie dude when like you check out just like you know you look at the picture like dude this dude looks nothing like the dude that would be growing champelli you know what i mean or that <laughs>
2: yeah. or
0: that would be fucking with mac dre or any of these dudes like yeah, yeah you know
2: i mean yeah i'm kind of an unassuming sort of you know <laughs> kind of guy i don't really you know and i, I don't i don't you know i don't uh you know, pretend to be anything. Uh, I don't. You know, or try to flex anything. It's just it is what it is. You know, I just like to be myself through thick and thin, ups and downs. I always try to have like a consistency to myself and just keep it real. You know what I mean? And uh, um, you know, so so basically, I got uh, alerted uh, by a friend of mine had a girlfriend that was a lawyer at that time, and I used to sell him weed back in the day. And so basically funny. Yeah, and uh, I'd gone down to pay a traffic ticket in, you know, the Hall of Justice here in San Francisco, and and, um, I was in the elevator with her, and I was like, hey, how's it going? And she basically tells me, hey, you know, your name came up in some heavy circles right now. Uh, I was just in a thing, if you can, you know, I recommend you pack it up and leave the country now, you know, is basically what she told me, you know, and here I was, like, just had a, you know, I had my record label going, it just dropped. San Quinn the Mighty Quinn I'd done another project you know had a bunch of different music projects I was getting ready to drop Uh, you know Doobie I was working with Mac Dre I was working with all you know even Snoop Dogg and a bunch of different stuff at this time Um, and I just built a music studio in San Francisco and everything was kind of going you know pretty well you were on right
0: the up and then you got
2: kicked in the balls tons of old school cars convertible Chevy you know all the, all the toys and all the shit you know what I mean and so I had to pretty much kind of pick it up uh pack it in and basically just leave at a moment's notice so pretty much I kind of just like you know gathered up what I could financially sold cars did whatever I did kind of you know uh delegated some stuff off to some friends and then basically you know was like hey i'm out you know what i mean so i just had were to, people tripping i just i mean a lot of people everybody's like what you're just you know gonna up and go and i mean this is you know i grew up in san francisco and my whole community and all my whole life was there you know I had a girlfriend at the time and um you know, my, it's a place where I'd kind of built my life, so to speak at that moment, you know? And so for me to kind of just uproot everything and just move out of the country, you know, it was a pretty drastic move, so to speak. You know what I mean? That's heavy. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of packed it in and, and, and basically, uh, went to Amsterdam, you know what I mean? I actually went to Amsterdam of all places.
0: And just chilled out (laughs) for a decade.
2: Yeah, well, not I wasn't in Amsterdam the whole time. Amsterdam I did, you know, a few years there in Amsterdam and, and I have some good friends over there and um but you know Amsterdam is a good cold for me and a bit, you know, and Europe is different over there. It's not quite as friendly to the entre- entrepreneurial spirit in a way. It's like a little more it's a little more controlled, a little more old school in the sense of like there's more pecking order and it's kind of it's different over there, you know. So it's not quite as easy and just like moving anywhere new to start a life. It's like it takes, you know, five years to even really get a life going anywhere once you make kind of a fresh move, you know. So it was a little a little bit tough for me. But I did I went to um Switzerland actually where at that point in Ticino it was actually kind of like decriminalized cannabis was at that time. And people were just growing fields and fields of weed and it was like man so i just landed there i had some friends that were growing there and i got in and did some growing and did some trimming and just networked there and have some crazy stories from switzerland and um basically they ended up shutting it down in ticino the rest of the other provinces of um, switzerland which were ticino is more the italian province closer to italy and then there's the french kind of province of switzerland and the german uh, province and they're a little more conservative and they kind of basically put the pinch on the the southern province which was the Italian one, chino and that sort of area and then basically stopped all the cannabis growing. But there was like, I mean, literally, you would drive down the road and there'd be twenty five thousand plants. To uh, you know, I mean, it was like I'd never seen anything like it in you know my time in the woods. Like I mean, it was like unreal the amount of cannabis that was being grown there. You know so um it was this little crazy little window that only lasted a year or two there but i got to be a part of that which was pretty epic cannabis history and there was a few guys uh um you know a few big high times growers down there one guy who had done the this guy scott this australian guy who had developed the white shark and won some some uh cups with that he was down there and he was just growing huge it was interesting interesting times so so I did that for a little bit and then um I actually went to Spain is where I spent most of the time because I was actually born in Spain in uh, Malaga so I actually went there and um met back up with like old school friends from when I was like in you know elementary school I'd I'd actually gone over my father lived in Spain and my mom lived in in San Francisco they'd separated so I kind of had always gone back and forth and um basically spain is another great i mean where it's on the same latitude and longitude as Cal as california so as far as growing goes it was amazing so i got to i got to do some really great growing over in spain and explore that whole, whole uh aspect so i kind of still kept the growing going and a little bit of moving and shaking but i was also trying to per, uh, pursue my music stuff music is like you know obviously cannabis is my passion but music is like you know my uh my life's work and passion as well there too so i kind of still tried to try to pursue my music production and, and doing that and um in approaching big you know i mostly do like pop and hip-hop and stuff like that so when when big american artists would come to europe i would approach them there and try to get like placements um you know try to get some of my music place like i met up with britney spears when she was in europe uh pharrell snoop dogg um, you know the Black Eyed Peas, like you know Pharrell, Monge, Kanye West, like all these different big artists that would come with town, come through town, and like Amsterdam, um, I would I would end up meeting up with them and trying to network and stuff like that. So you know, so I still try to keep my my music dream uh, go alive while I was uh, overseas. You know,
0: so heavy when you look back, and, and I'm sure you can you know com- comment to this, but you know here here you were on the run more or less. I mean, you were you were avoiding, you know, prison at the time. And I don't know if that helped you or hurt you. It looks looks like you caught 6 months at the end of the day, but the the fact that you kept playing in the space. This is what people this is the stories that people need to hear because like we talked about off the air a little bit, the whole fuckboy movement with the people in play. and maybe we said that on the air already, but it's like you have all these people the same Fuckers that were putting guys like you in jail or going after you are now in the game. And it's got to be surreal for you, man, because I'm certain in hearing your story, that music is your love. And then the weed came along with it because it seems like it's always kind of been the fabric of what you've been around. And you, just like in your music endeavors, you nailed off a hit in the cannabis world and people were loving it. You can't, dude, I, I mean, Uh, it's not like I've ran with any of these dudes, but I've smoked weed with a few of them. Like, you know, be real. And those guys, Kenji, those guys are the, are the boys. Those, you know, to get them, it's not easy in the weed game. It ain't like Coca-Cola, man. If someone's latching onto your strain or they're throwing shouts, it's because you got the fire and, you know, being that you were doubling down on that. And you, you, like you said, you were just coming into your stride to then be like, yo, you got to bounce like that's got to be somewhat devastating i mean like you're talking about a 20 year pause on on kind of your vision of what your life should be most people just would like take a different path man instead you kind of fucking put them shoes back on and decided to run right back into the race and and like we were saying earlier too it's a different game now because now there's money now there's this and now there's that now you got to make sure you're true and you know when you when these articles started coming out on you again and people started talking about it Dude, there was a buzz, bro. I mean, that's why I reached out. I was like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like, this guy, is it really happening? It's So its you're, you're one of those rare exceptions where you're going to come back, I think, and be just as, as long as you, like I know you will, make the right moves to partner with the right people. How does that feel after, like, I mean, when I talked to Tommy, I interviewed Tommy at the Emerald Cup, and I've known him forever, so I know the stories, but just hearing him tell the story – of when he was in jail and kind of going through those moments. How, I mean, some people don't, that jail stint tends to change them. They like either find religion or like realize that they were a bad person. doesn't seem like that impacted you in that fashion, but I know that it had to give some impact to how you're coming out now. Like what is, what did that, you know, six months and most people like, oh, that's not, not a big deal, but people can't even be quarantined for three weeks without losing their shit.
2: Yeah. So, you know, as far as like, you know, first of all, I was kind of removed from my whole life for, you know, 10 years, practically, you know, um, you know, just being essentially, you know, I mean, obviously, I had my somewhat freedom. So I was out in the world, which was, you know, at the time, if I would have stayed, I would have been facing probably who knows what they would have tried to like, basically, you know, strong army to take, you know, like, hey, you gotta tell on cause I was kind of associated with the main guy that was in the Rico case. So they would have been like, hey, you need to take, you know, you're gonna either get forty years or you're gonna tell on this guy, you know what I mean? Or something, you know what I mean? So and that's how kind of how the feds work. So I managed to like kind of get out of that, get basically dodge that bullet by not being here, you know, so that which was a total blessing. So I had my freedom and I was overseas. But at the same time, you know, I, I lost a lot of traction and momentum and stuff that I had. But I, I had freedom, so it was a blessing. You know what I mean? I was like, man, I'd rather eat sand crabs on the beach, you know, with nothing and coconuts than be in a jail cell. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so I managed to kind of dodge that. And then coming back, you know, I had a, I had I got six months because that was all I was basically. um that was all, when I came back, they're like, we don't, we don't really need this guy. Everybody's been charged. Everybody, the case is all done. Everybody's done. Like, you know, as far as that goes. So they're like, well, what do we do with them? Um, you know, offer him six months. The judge is like, well, I think this is lenient, you know, six months or whatever. And it was like conspiracy, uh, to distribute cannabis charge. You know what I mean? That's the bare minimum is six months they can give you. And I felt like in a way I'm like, and this is still fucked for me because I was just coming back to the United States. I mean, as a person and my life and everything, I'm in a totally different space. You know, it's been 10 years and I'm just trying to move on with my life. You know what I mean? So then I had to go back and go in, in time, basically, and go to jail. You know what I mean? After 10 years, like, whoa, and it's like, it's like hitting the dog after you know so to speak you know after he's peed you know 10 years later like hey you know what I mean you know you're whacking the dog later he's like what what the hell is this you know so it kind of set me back a little bit it was kind of like oh now I got to go to jail now it's like now I have a felony now I'm on three years probation I got to stay in one place I can't fucking do anything with cannabis this and that so it was kind of like and you know and I got a taste of six months seemed like six years to me and I you (laughs) know and I really feel like like you know it's like you know freedom and you know cannabis law and prison reform and prisoners rights and you know and in legalizing cannabis all this stuff is like I really hold it close to my heart and it really means a lot to me because I've been through it all you know and I know what it is like to be a prisoner right now I really you know feel for these prisoners that are in jail you know i like to highlight and mention these prisoners that are in jail right now with COVID-19 with you know all boxed in there together and they have no there's no rights there's no protection for them there's no nothing they're just basically left in there to die is what they're hoping they do you know so they can just move some new prisoners in you know what I mean and a lot of them are just low-level criminals simple things now you're stuck in there with the COVID-19 you know so it's just like it's, you know, I, I really, I really, that's a, a big part of my heart is like freedom and just actual justice, you know, uh, for, you know, you know, whether it's the earth, whether it's the environment, whether it's prisoners' rights, whether it's cannabis, or it's animals, you know, I just really have a strong tie in my heart towards like justice and what's right, you know, um, I, you know, I guess I can thank my parents, my mom or whatever, but um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, so coming back, I basically did my three years of probation and then I kind of got back into growing, tried to, you know, basically I did a little bit of a, I did some light dap and some, um, and some full term growing, you know, in 2014 and 15. Um, and it was still pretty, still kind of, you know, things were the legal market was just kind of really emerging, you know, as far as like, Big time legal market. And I was still, I'm still kind of, you know, old school, paranoid guy. You know what I mean? I'm not really, I'm still on the black market. So I'm like, ah, you know, everybody's like telling me, oh man, you should bring back the Champelli, this and that. And I kind of had hesitance uh, of, of doing that just because of like, all right, well, you know, this brand is, was attached to all this stuff that, you know, kind of went down in my legal case and all this and that, but I have so much history behind it. And once I started digging in and, uh, you know, looking into the, you know, bringing the brand back, it's like, man, you know, it's like, really, I built all this stuff. And I mean, you know, music and cannabis really is my life's work, you know, so far up to this point. And I mean, I have other passions. I love to cook. I'm an artist. I love the pain. I mean, I write songs, I'm, mean, you know, all this stuff. So I'm, I'm just an artistic sort of guy that wants to be creative and bring, you know, bring my talents to the world and, and find a way to monetize and be able to survive and provide for myself and, and, uh, and, and by the same time do my thing. So I'm like, you know, Hey, I just decided. And like after kind of taking a break of the growing and stuff like that and, and uh, 2015 after 2014 and 15 i kind of took kind of a little bit of a hiatus made a little bit of money i'm like all right i'm just going to chill out because it, it, it can be stressful trying to like do um you know big grows you're managing people you're doing all this and you're you know, i was the one who's doing everything so it's like a bit stressful there so i'm like and i basically took those years to kind of refocus on my video production, like, uh, you know, in photography, I also love photography. So I kind of just honed my skills with my photography, honed my direction skills with the video, also was working on my music. So it's like I was pouring all my energies into the creative things and the life I wanted to create, to kind to create like a new life for myself of, you know, positive stuff and, and, and stuff I really enjoy doing and want to do, you know, including cannabis, but just, um, you know, just you, you know I just kind of Want to be able to do it In a way that's not stressful For me You know what I mean so Yeah man out. I mean
0: <clears throat> You do time And that shit Creates a little bit of a PTSD PTSD thumbtack yeah, In your I mean, brain I yeah, I'm basically you know?
2: PTSD'd out Because I looked For years and years I mean I've done this Since I was you know You know 12 years old Or whatever So I am PTSD'd out I mean all I ever did Was like look over my shoulder Right And worry you know Like not take photos Back then Right not, You know I was just totally on the low, you know what I mean? Could you imagine um, if we that, would have had social
0: media back then and you oh were puffing? God, right? Fuck, they'd have wrapped so, you up so fast.
2: I know. So, so I decided to just kind of say, fuck it and bring the band, the, the brand back, you know, I'm like, Hey man, I, you know, I got this, all this stuff sitting there. I, I'm sitting on like, you know, hundreds of songs that I never got to release from my record label. So I have all this, this, this history in a sense of like this kind of like time time vault of, of all these, all this music. I've got photos, I've got videos and not to mention I have genetics also. So it's like this unique kind of situation that can't be replicated of just, you know, original content from genetics to music, to um, even some visual stuff, you know what I mean? Um, and so, then I said, all right, well, I'm just going to bring it back. And so, you know, 2018, uh, late 17, I started just kind of putting in sweat equity into my brand so the last couple of years i've just been kind of just building it up and, and putting sweat equity into it myself because right now it's like your name and your brand is kind of where the value is so it's like right now you know i've just been pouring my sweat equity into the brand essentially knowing that that's where the value is going to be and, and seeing all these big you know corporate players and all these people who spend who spent millions and billions of dollars on cannabis brands that have just totally failed you know what i mean well because everybody's just like,
0: nobody's a pain i don't want to cut you off but i want to mention the fact on how like it's such a great time to be talking about strains and land races land race mm-hmm. strains and and genetics because it is true man most of the industry just is popping the same shit and putting a different yeah, name but on if it if,
2: yeah if there's no substance you know what i mean in a corporate thing it's like styro weed we used to call it back in the day you know it was like styrofoam weed or just styrofoam brand in a sense like it's just there's no substance no realness to it so I just want to bring you know something that's real and tangible I have a real story I have a real passion and a real uh, you know uh, a purpose here you know what I mean I'm trying to be basically in its full circle essentially I'm like trying to be you know rescue the rescue the princess and slay the dragon essentially here i've been through you know total i've been through the flames you know i've suffered i've been you know through depression through poverty uh you know running from the police you know all this shit that's a movie dude yeah it's a full-on movie honestly and then to come back now And to try to, you know, claim my place, you know, um, in this space right now, essentially. And, you know, everything right now is about a brand, essentially. You need to really have a strong brand presence in something. And I have, like, the value in my brand is, like, value that people can't even buy, you know. It's like you could have a million dollars and you'd have to – a big corporate brand would have to give Snoop a million dollars to mention their strain, you know, whereas I have that love from him and other artists that I can come in and, you know, they're going to bless me with, you know, a big shout out. And we're going to, it's all going to be love. You know what I mean? So it's, that's, a, that's a lot. That's like actual value that has
0: been. You can't buy of, that. You can't buy that yeah, at all. You
2: can't buy that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like real stuff. It's people's, you know, it's a, it's a lifetime of, of building, um, you know, yourself and your brand and putting in that work in this community, essentially in space, you know? So I'm kind of here to just, you know, um, you know, not even cash in on it. That's not my idea. It's like not everything is just about financial. It's also about personal fulfillment and growth and like being validated by your community and your peers and and having a purpose. And I ultimately want to make a difference is what I want to do in this space. It's not all about, you know, making money, which obviously, I mean, we need that. But I mean, I want to come and, you know, try to bring, um, like to prisoner reform, uh, you know, and um, are you Canada working with who? Are you cool. working with
0: on that? There's a couple organizations out there. That, uh, yeah,
2: there's there's a few uh, there's a few different people. Um, what are they? Uh, there's the a that, uh, Weldon
0: Angelos is doing Mission Green. Yeah,
2: yeah, the one that yeah, the one that uh, Stephen DeAngelos is working. That's one. So that.
0: Weldon's doing Mission Green is focusing on federal oh, I saw
2: yeah, federal prison that. that's reform. Right there, and then and, and, Steve. You know, and I, go
0: ahead no i was gonna say steve D'Angelo's with last prisoner project is working on doing the uh state stuff yep
2: yeah so i have a friend who's in prison prison for life he's been in there for damn near 30 years in florida uh rick delisi uh richard delisi he's in florida there he's been in there for life and i kind of put uh put that case in front of uh, the last prisoner project and they did a post on their instagram and you know i'm just finding little small ways to bring um you know light to little situations like that and i want to get involved more you know wherever i can um so i'm totally open to you know helping out and and putting energy and uh and using whatever my platform and voice you know um uh, to help out wherever I can on those things, and uh, hopefully once we kind of get going more with the brand and there's more, you know, money involved, then I can actually throw some more financing towards, you know, helping out on on those kind of things. the voice. I more. think is the
0: biggest uh, form of currency that can be provided because unfortunately we have to convince a bunch of legislators that if we're going to have a legal market, then we've got to have some reparation on the people that were. Building the illegal market to cause awareness to create a legal market. Um, They shouldn't, if they're doing there for just cannabis related crimes, they, you know, and it's just like Weldon's story. I interviewed him and dude caught 55 years, bro, for $900 of the weed. You know, it's like 55 years, bro. Like people go on mass murder, you know, disemember and eat the bodies and catch 10, you know, and it's like, (laughs) here's this
2: this, did 55. And that's what's going on now is, I mean, even now, there's all these people that are still in jail for this plant in all these different states. And, you know, people are making hand uh, money over hand over fist right now still. And not only that is people are still getting prosecuted for this thing, yeah. you know what I mean, yeah. for this plant. Like, hey, you you know, you drive 10 pounds across state lines. Now Don't drive across Kansas with that years, shit. You know what I mean? I mean. And it's just, it's. it needs to be reexamined as far as like what the, you know, the proportion of these things, like what it should really be. It's like, hey, it's just a plan. It's not that serious. Give them a ticket, you know, make them pay his taxes on it, whatever. But don't give them, you know, some ridiculous, you know, perpetuate this drug war and, you know, and the whole you know, prison complex, uh, you know, they're still using it. You know what I mean? It's still a drug war is still going on and it's being ramped up here in California again, from the tax dollars, from the legal market. You know what I mean? So, and, and people need to, basically, there's a responsibility I feel for businesses and people that are involved in the legal market, um, to, to give back and make sure, you know, obviously they're like, Hey, well, let's our money and our tax dollars going towards funding shutting down the black market, Uh, That's all fine and dandy, but here you are at the same time perpetuating, you know, the same thing you might have been against, um, you know, 10 years ago. But now that you're making money off it, you don't say anything, you know. Um, So it's one of those things like people, you know, should have uh, there should be more, you know, a way for people to help if they want to. You know what I mean? So people like, you know, maybe you do want to give back. Maybe there should be more people should create, you know, like the the last prisoner project and I think
0: other uh, to raise awareness 100% and, um... 100% I think uh, if you're in the cannabis game right now and part of your business isn't cause marketing to to pay it backward if that's even the right term to like help out people that that have that were champions of the game you know and that were running packs and making sure that this this industry could get like none of that shit none of where we're at right now would be happening if those people hadn't taken those risks and you know, it's 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 astounding to astounding to me that I see this big money pouring in. I mean, it's the worst meetings you have are the ones that they sit around. And they say, "Well, I don't even, you know, I don't partake, but uh, I believe in the plant." You're like, "Get the fuck out of here, dude! Like, give me a fucking break! You're smoking the weed, dude. You Either smoke the weed or I ain't taking yeah. your money." And so, yeah,
2: so yeah,
0: I just think that it, it's it's
2: just recognizing, yeah, like you say, paying pain for paying back as far as like recognizing the. You know, also, like you say, recognizing the original players and people that people that, you know, actually, you know, built the built the space for this, the whole legal thing to happen, essentially, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, I I used to actually sell cannabis to Dennis Perrone before he did his whole 215 thing. I'd go over to his Victorian, you know, there. And uh, you know, drop off, <laughs> drop off packs. You know, and then once he did open his first uh, place down on Church and Market, I'd go over there too and visit him. And and you know, so um, you know, rest in peace, Dennis Perone, yeah. and all all these other people that have kind of paved the way for this legal market to even be happening and occur. Essentially, you know. So well, uh, if nobody's ever. Um,
0: Nobody's ever shouted a thank you out to you. I'd say thank you for you know taking it on the head, being a pioneer, interlacing it with some amazing music, and then catching a stupid charge at the back end of it, but still wanting to to kind of jump back in. I think that deserves some accolades and and some appreciation because most people would just say fuck it and go sell shoes or something, you know, and yeah, just be I over it.
2: Appreciate it, it man. And I mean, I yeah, i like to shout out all the unsung heroes, too, that, you know, their voices are muted right now because they're in prison or they're dead or whatever that also were, you know, I mean, this whole thing has been built for, you know, years and years, dating back to even before I was involved, uh, you know, in the 70s and 60s. And I mean, I mean, all those, everybody's kind of played uh, their part uh, in this whole cannabis thing. So every, you know, everybody that's kind of you know, been in the space somehow or some way has basically contributed to where we are today. So, you know, it's, um, you know, it's only right that, um, that, you know, we, we look out for those that don't have a voice that need, you know, as far as, um, equity goes, you know, the equity, um, you know, applicants and stuff that cities are doing, um, to try to get people, um, involved, you know what I mean? Yeah underprivileged or people who have been prosecuted um over the years unjustly whether it's minority then that gets
0: all dirty man like you saw what happened in la they jumped out that social equity program and then what three of their council members get busted for taking kickbacks on it it's like you know people just can't people just gotta stop being greedy and just like do just do work and it's funny like those people are not going to catch the same charge like they those people should almost be prosecuted more because they took it, they exploited a situation and all you were doing was doing what's actually natural. Um, where, what's, what's good for Champelli? What's, what's the next steps? When are we going to see some, do you have any movement happening? What do people, I want to give you a chance to, to kind of list out your websites, your social media. And then I'm hoping that this is one of many interviews as you progress down the road. And, and I, listen, man, I'm, you know, I live down in Santa Cruz, like we talked about, and, you know, we've been blessed with having great weed around here too. In fact, like it's always been part of my life and, you know, to see how it is in other areas is kind of, whoa, like it's not like that for us. Um, I'm here to help, man. I'm going to, you know, I, I want to talk about some things after we get off of this, where we can maybe play around together and, uh, just want to give you that chance to acknowledge, you know, where people can find you and let them know what's next for, uh, for Champelli.
2: Yeah, so, so right now I'm kind of, uh, this last past year has just been, you know, like ongoing uh, meetings, like a, a ton of meetings with all some of the biggest players right now in the game, uh, the legal market, and uh, so a ton of meetings with people like that and other uh, smaller cultivators and distributors and just people that are licensed. And it's just kind of taking some time to kind of weed through to figure out who I actually want to be in a relationship with, you know what I mean? As far as a working relationship goes, um, like I said, not everything is about the money. I kind of want to be in a situation with people that I also, we see eye to eye and have share some of the same, you know, um, share some of the same, uh, stuff there. So it's kind of, you know, it's taking time to really find the right people. Uh, I don't want to rush into anything with anybody unless it's just, I feel like, Oh, this is great. We have a great synergy together. Um, this is going to be amazing. You know, somebody who really sees the vision and believes in it and isn't afraid to, you know, to actually, um, you know, come to the table with the right, with the right stuff, you know? So I've been like, You know approaching uh, looking for you know whether it's an angel investor or whether it's somebody who actually has licenses and facilities and who's already vertically integrated who can offer a situation like that and see the value of an actual brand because a lot of these people they have everything but the brand they have everything but the voice to the public or you know or somebody who could actually be um you know a face of a brand and really have uh the have you know a notoriety or you know actually be validated in this space um so yeah so right now I'm um I'm basically just been reaching out talking I kind of took a break from talking to all the big corporate players I've just been focusing on basically finding partners to do white label stuff with you know what I mean and then uh I'm currently doing R&D on my own genetics and getting ready which takes some time so everything kind of Takes time. So, uh, but we're going to, I'm going to be coming to the table with a bunch of different new genetics, we're old and new. So, some land race stuff that's going to be pure, obviously, some some hybrids and crosses that we have. And, um, you know, getting ready to just bring something new. My my goal is to kind of bring some new flavors to the space since everything is kind of monocropped now and all kind of the same thing, like maybe a big smoothie, you know. And I'm, I'm not taking anything away from what's going on now. There's some amazing strains and stuff being created, and there's some great stuff. But by the same token, I mean, I used to smoke stuff in the 80s that would, like, pretty much blow – anything away right now i would take it any day over what i used to smoke you know which is for people nowadays that weren't there at that time are like no ways what do you mean i mean that's not i'm like no you don't understand it's like full-bodied complete you know uh cannabis like i mean flavor punch expansion high everything and just the the flavors and you know what i mean so well now everybody got everybody's gotten
0: so caught up in like thc percentages and and other things that it's, it's all
2: i'm I'm really all about the terpene profile, so so basically, um, right now, what we're, we're that's what I'm basically going to be doing is just working with small, smaller, essentially um, people uh, cultivators who have their licenses, uh, a couple key distributors, and start to get some white label um, stuff into the market because obviously, as Champelly, I want to have a bunch of different flavors you know, even stuff that's out there now, basically a bunch of different flavors um, to introduce to the market and then also start to introduce my own, once I'm done with my R&D, is start to introduce a bunch of my own flavors in as well. So um, it's not just going to be the Champelli. It will also be other stuff, so people can expect a lot of different flavors and variety from from us because um, obviously variety is the spice of life, and I, I like smoking all types of different and medicating with all types of different flavors and stuff like that, and um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I'm just open, uh, open a conversation with the right people um, as far as partnerships go, and um, and working working with wor- with the right people is what I'm, I'm just trying to do. Just it, it takes a while to to find the right situation, but I'm I'm starting to narrow it all down finally to to some good situations um so it's, it's coming together it's taking some time but it, it's coming together
0: so if they want to follow you on instagram it's it's just instagram yeah. champelli yeah, and that's so
2: yeah at, at uh champelli 415 the number is 415 champelli 415 and then also you can uh check out my website where we got some clothing and stuff like that it's champelli.co so c-h-a-m-p-e Double Li Co is where you can find uh merchandise, and pretty soon we'll have more stuff up there. We'll have like more music and stuff like that as well. Well, dude,
0: thank you for chopping it up. I fucking it's been a history lesson for me um to listen to what you went through, and and you know your passion definitely bleeds through. Uh, I'm I have no doubt in my mind that you're gonna come back uh, swinging hard. And, you know, I was thinking about a quote. I was thinking, you might have been gone, dog, but your chairs has been sitting there. They just need to dust it off so you can take a seat at the table and and show what you're really all about. And I'm going to, you know, after we jump off this, I want to spend a couple moments talking about, you know, where, where I can help out or if at all, um, other than just making sure we're echoing your story. And uh, really, really, really appreciate you coming on board and uh, giving me some time. And I will make sure when we do this blog post that i'll I'll put all those links in there so people can find you. but once again, man, thank you for for doing what you've done and and thank you for being willing to talk about it and I'm looking forward to seeing your success come here in the near, near near future.
2: man, thank you so much, Danny. thank you. I appreciate you so much for uh, for uh, giving me the platform there and the time to to talk a little bit about my story there and uh really really appreciate it. You got a great thing going there. keep doing the great work that you're doing. I'm loving all your different podcasts. was checking them out the other day. Um, amazing, amazing stuff. They're amazing work. And, uh, yeah, truly appreciate you. Stay safe in these times and healthy. And um, stay tuned for Champelli.
0: That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cannabis Karaoke, another kick-ass podcast about all things cannabis. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and our website, CannabisKaraoke.tv. And if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, please hit the book your interview button on the right. Cannabis Karaoke, grab the mic and tell your story. Wow!
2: Thanks for listening to today's show.